0: I'm David Olman. I'm the producer of the movie House at the End of the Drive. I'm also the creator of the story and also one of the co-writers of the movie. People have asked me what the backstory to the movie was. The backstory to this movie is my experiences living here in this house, a couple hundred feet from where the Tate House stood. Um, in this six years that I've uh, had the property between building the house and living here. I've had a number of experiences that would at least be said that were of the paranormal uh, endeavor.
1: There's a house that sits on Cielo Drive in Benedict Canyon that has an array of paranormal activity. So much activity that it's been featured on many paranormal shows such as Ghost Hunters, Ghost Adventures, Paranormal Witness, Haunted History, and My Ghost Story. It is best known as the David Omen House, and it's a house that is just 200 feet away from where the Sharon Tate and Manson murders occurred in the late 1960s. In 2014, David Oman co-wrote and produced a movie documentary about the paranormal activity that has been going on in his house. It's called The House at the End of the Drive. Since producing this film, David feels that the spirits have really reached out to him. And one of those spirits is the ghost of Sharon Tate. Today on episode 26, Hollyweird Paranormal traveled to the David Omen house, sat down with David Omen, and we talked spirits. We talk about the history of his house, the hauntings that still occur to this very day as we experience some hauntings of our own while recording and prior figure out towards the end of this episode if we survived the house at the end of the drive I've never done a promo before. What do we do? I don't know. I guess we need to say something that will encourage people to listen. Okay. How about we have a podcast called Creepy Caffeine. Follow us and be creepy. Follow us and be creepy? We want people to listen to the show, not stalk us. What's wrong with you? Okay. Well, then you try it. Okay. Hello, friends. I'm Whitney. That's Danny, and we have a little show called Creepy Caffeine. From true crime to paranormal books and movies, if it's creepy, we want to talk about it. Join us each week for the podcast meant to get your blood pumping while we discuss all the things that creep us the f- out. Now available on all your favorite podcast platforms. Yeah, that's probably better. Can we cuss in a promo? I don't know. I'll bleep it out. It'll be fine. Hey guys, it's Tammy Merhab Chavez.
2: Hello, it's Bryce Mitchell-Williams.
1: And we have a special guest.
2: David Oman.
1: (laughs) And we are sitting here, guys, recording from the David Oman house. In my opinion, one of the most haunted houses in Los Angeles. Now, David, we're going to pass the mic to you. And you're going to take us to church right now (laughs) with the history of this house, with what happened down the street from this house, and what's been going on in this house as well. So, David, take it away.
0: Well, welcome. Thank you very much for having me on your show tonight. Um, Thank you for, you, for yeah.
1: having us over. We already had experienced some pretty interesting activity already.
0: Yeah, it's been a very lively night. And, yeah, it's um, crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm very impressed by the activity this evening here, too. <laughs>
2: As are the cats. As, As the are cats the cats. The they in Sam. Very Formers. impressed. Yes.
0: Um, well, <laughs> down the street from where I live right now, um, the Sharon Tate murders took place. I think your, fam- your fans would be of notice mm-hmm. of this from the Charles Manson murders, which is what they're also known as. Mm. Um, happened August 9th, 1969, at about um, shortly after midnight, that Sharon Tate, her ex fiancé, Jay Sebring, her best friend, Abigail Folger, of the Folger's Coffee Empire, and their her boyfriend, Wojciech Vykowski were killed. And as well as the oddball, I hate to say it, but he's oddball because he wasn't really supposed to be there. He was right. Stephen Parent, an 18-year-old high school student who had just graduated and was going to see the caretaker at the property, William Gerritsen. And he was literally, as they say, had he left the property five minutes earlier, he'd be alive to this day. Wow. And it was just an unfortunate situation of being at the wrong place at the wrong time yeah. and um, circumstances being the, that, that which they were. He was the first victim of that night that mm. was shot 10 feet from the front end exit or entrance of the uh, property. And um, he died right there on the spot with five gunshot wounds oh. to the chest, point blank range. Um, and uh, Sharon was eight and a half months pregnant, and um, it's just a terrible tragedy. Yeah. I don't know how much, really, we want to go into it. It's um, I think a lot of people know about the yeah. history of the murders.
1: Yeah, I'm sure a lot of us are, and mm-hmm. especially what happened, and... Especially how it just like shifted that era as well. Mm.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I consider it as many do as the um, shutting the door and closing the door of the innocence of yes. the 1960s. I think there was a famous quote that said the 60s took off with the death of John F. Kennedy, with the assassination, and it went to a wild roller coaster ride, and it came to a crashing and a burning end with the Charles Manson murders yeah. of the La Bianca's and the Tate murders down the street from here and um, it pretty much as I remember my mom said everything changed I stopped giving hitchhikers rides I just shut down everything changed after that incident and it wasn't just in the in LA and even the United States it had a worldwide effect and a chilling effect on um, people's views about the hippies and the counterculture and it just basically put a, a I hate to say it, like a sledgehammer right down in the middle yeah. of the 60s and just said, that's it, it's over. Yeah. Shut, shut the door, the party's over.
1: Well, so. I think
2: the violence and the sort of gruesomeness being portrayed and meted out by women was so jarring for us as a society that like, women would do this to another woman, especially a pregnant woman on top of that was so unfathomable and that we were not prepared as a society for that and i think that's the perfect way of explaining it is that they closed the door on that chapter in our history
0: yeah i think as you said when they finally uncovered and revealed or they figured out who the perpetrators mm, were mm-hmm. that these were suburban 18 19 year old girls yes one of them was a valid victorian in her in her high school I mean, these weren't, as you would say, the stereotypical degenerates, or, you know, dregs of society that were committing these murders. These were not, um, for lack of better words, what what people would consider monsters, mm. because they looked just like everybody else. They were just kids, and how could they do this yeah. terrible thing, and yet... It like you said, Sharon was eight and a half months pregnant, and the whole when the whole case was revealed, and they went through the details of how Sharon was killed. It was it was the gruesomeness yes. of it that she was pleading for her life, and the woman said, "Listen here, bitch! I have no mercy on you. You're gonna die." Quote unquote, Susan Atkins wow. right when she stabbed her, and it, it's just um, it's hard to uh, express, you know. What you know, the the whole totality of the effects of the murders and how the society literally changed on a dime. Yeah. From that point, I remember reading that Richard Nixon then used that to his advantage, to start to enforce more and more greater re- reprisal laws against the youth movement mm-hmm. and the anti-war movement. And it's it's just it's a sad situation. And now we're approaching the fiftieth anniversary of the oh, wow. murders in. 10 months, I think it is. It'll be August 9th, um, 2019, next year. And there's three motion pictures dealing with the subject of Sharon Tate Mm -hmm. that are coming, that are in pre-production or in production. One is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. There's also something called The Haunting of Sharon Tate, which some people have misunderstood or think that somehow it's going to be revolving around the paranormal activity in my house. And oh I'm like, going, no, that's not the storyline from what I understand. it's um That one's actually based upon the story of Sharon Tate and the experience in the of the paranormal activity that she had experienced at Jay Sebring's house when she was engaged to Jay Sebring. Mm-hmm. And that house was about a mile up the drive, up the street here on Benedict Canyon. And that was the old Paul Byrne house that... Um, we were talking about Gene Harlow's yes. house, where yes. Paul Byrne was murdered or suicide, they say, um, died. And she was there in the top floor. And the story goes, she was um, sleeping. She woke up and she saw this man, this short, impish man, as she said, like a five foot, four inch tall yeah. man, oh. naked. <sighs> and he was rifling through his, um, the, uh, the, roller, the roll top desk. And he looked and turned and looked at her, and then he went back to looking through the, through the uh, papers, like he was looking for something. Sharon got up, walked out the hall, down the hall to the top of the stairs, at which point she looked down at the bottom of the stairs, and she saw this apparition of a blonde-haired woman who was tied to the bottom of the banister, and she said that her neck was cut from ear to ear. And she was there bleeding and dying. And she walked down the staircase, went around the apparition, as she described it, went into the bar, fixed herself a drink. Yes. And then started picking away at the wallpaper in the bar. Went back upstairs and went to bed. The following morning when Jay got home, he went and asked her, said, honey, what happened in the bar? And he took her down to the bar and pointed out to her the piece of wallpaper where it was picked off the night before by Sharon, in fact confirming that she had in fact experienced and seen what she had seen, and it was no dream.
2: Oh wow!
0: That's the story of the haunting of Sharon Tate. And then there's another movie that Deborah Tate is producing about Sharon, as well. That's also so there are three motion pictures in production about Sharon Tate.
2: Wow! And it's so crazy that it's like on the upcoming anniversary I mean of course like capitalize what you can
1: why do you think they're now coming up with all these movies of Sharon Tate all of a sudden like what what sparked this you think it's all happening at the same time it seems like it
0: I honestly don't know what it is that and why that is I do know that from personal experience with my own movie House at the End of the Drive (laughs) which I made right um, which was it was a fictionalized account of my personal experience living here on this private drive and having the paranormal activity, but it was a dramatized version of it. And basically, Hollywood, at the time when we had made it, was abject opposed to anything in regards to a dramatic or even something that was like a scary movie or ghost story connected in any way, shape, or form to the Sharon Tate murders. Wow. And literally it was like, no, we don't want to touch that subject. The studios were like, no, no, no. And this was going back a few years at least now. And it was very, very disheartening. And then all of a sudden it was like the cat got out of the bag. Yeah. Charlie Manson dropped, was, was dying and it was almost like, oh, well, as soon as Manson dies, let's go and make sh- movies about the Sharon Tate murders. Yeah. And guess what? It's yeah. the 50th anniversary coming up, so we can tie in the release of our movies. And i like... The
2: wind's really shifted. Yeah.
0: Boy, have the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no s about that.
2: Um, <laughs>
0: in too many ways, but um, it's it's interesting. It's like I said, I'm like saying, all right, fine. Now that its time has turned around, I think I'm going to finally take the film house at the end of the drive out for theatrical limited release and see how it plays. Because I think that it's a much more accepting audience yeah. base that would say, sure, one hundred percent
1: agree. Now yeah. let's talk about you living in this house. Walk us through the early '90s you get a call from your dad
0: ah yes that was actually 1998 late November on a Sunday morning I think it was around the 27th or the 28th of November I get a call at eight in the morning from my father and I'm passed out of sleep and phone rings I am like yeah what yeah yeah dad it's yeah yeah huh uh-huh. it's eight in the morning uh-huh. what he goes I've gotten he's like I found a lot and It's like yeah okay dad he goes it's in Beverly Hills I'm like yeah, Dad. Okay, it's in Beverly Hills. I'm thinking, what are you bothering me? It's eight in the morning on a Sunday morning for Dad about a <laughs> lot in Beverly Hills. What are you kidding? And he goes, no, let me go on. I'm like, oh God help me. I'm like, okay, yeah, go on, Pops. And he goes, it's forty thousand dollars. And I said,
1: <laughs>
0: I went, I went silent. The fun, I just my dad goes, David, are you there? And it's like. Dad, it's a misprint, come on. It's probably 400,000, 400K. He goes, no, it says 40K. It's like, no, Dad, I I bet it's a misprint. It's 40, it's 400, not 40. He goes, well, humor me, going up there, and I say, all right, fine, fine. So he gives me the address, and I, at the time, was living in an apartment that was my sister's from years earlier that she was renting, and so that was rent control. So I drove up to the house, up to the lot, and um, I got there, and I'm looking down the driveway, and I'm going, oh, my God, I don't believe this. I said, I finally found the private drive again. Holy shit. Because in high school, we used to come up here to the Tate House because we all had read Helter Skelter*. Of course. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like a sensational event (laughs) took place in your area. Wouldn't you want to go see it firsthand because you read it in the book? Right. So we used to come up here, and what was funny was is I was, as I mentioned to you guys earlier, when I went, first came up here, and every time subsequent to my first visit, I would go to the gate and bow my head and pay my respects to those that had died there. It was just like, I, people said, oh, you did it because you were, you know, you, you just, you know, when making a scene. It's like, no. no. It was the most sincere feeling when I first went up there and re- recalling what I remember from the book in detail. And yeah. I'm looking behind the gates and I'm thinking to myself... This is where this whole mess and murder and mayhem mm. and all these—it's like, oh my God! I said, this is crazy. I mean, I kept on saying to myself, "We're—I'm he- here. I'm here with my wow. friends at eleven thirty, twelve o'clock at night, and some at ten years earlier, nine years earlier, the S hit the fan down the street here, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't believe this. I can't understand that. It's like." It's, it, there was a surreal sensation in my mind thinking about what I recall from the book going, wow, that's just heavy. That's really impossible to believe. Well, manage. you're
2: literally standing in history. It's. You can feel those echoes as you partake in the physical space where it happened.
0: Exactly. And I'm wow. not thinking paranormally no, like no, others' no. coast. I'm just thinking, my God, this is where it all it, went Yes. And it's all coming back to me, and I'm remembering the different movements and the scenes in the in the from the movie *Helter Skelter*, and, yeah. and I'm thinking about the book, and I'm thinking, "Wow, this is it. This is really it." And it was. And every time I went up there with my friends, we were all drinking and partying and stuff. And I'm like, I have to go up there and make my pay my due respect to them. It's not proper. It's it's bad enough we're up here smoking and drinking <laughs> and hanging out here, but to not. Show respect to them. It's just sacrilege. I said, Mm. all right, fine. We'll we'll party. But I got to say something first to them. So when I was looking there, I said, I can't believe it. Because after my friends were able to show me this area and bring me up here, I could never get here on my own. After high school, I couldn't find this place to save my soul. And it's strange because there's... It is
1: pretty hard (laughs) because in and out here. But there's only three private
0: streets as you go up Cielo. And it's like, okay, so you go up each one and you go as far as you can and see if that's the street. I mean, but for some reason, I could never figure out which driveway it was. And I was apprehensive. I'm not going up that driveway. No, I'm not going... So I didn't. So finally, when I got the call and I come up here, I'm looking, I can't believe I'm here again. Wow. It's, it's deja vu all over again.
1: I'm getting that right now. <laughs> I feel like people have that sensation coming here to your house, too, because you do open your home to tours and other investigation groups. And there's people here that pay trippy and others that are just here with a morbid curiosity.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And it was like, so my dad drives up, and I'm like, Dad, that's... I remember going... That's where the Sharon Tate murders took place. And I'm pointing down the driveway. And he's like, so what? I'm like, uh-huh. I don't give a good goddamn. Yeah, what the hell do you yeah. think we're here for? We're here to reminisce here for about 40, a tragedy? 000, yeah. I'm here to look at a piece of real estate. Yeah, what's that. with you? Like, slap you upside down. He goes, what's the matter with you? He says, we're here to look at this lot. No nonsense. Going, yeah, he's like, what are you, crazy? Well, my, you know, my dad was a, was, was a straight shooter. So I'm like looking down the hill. They said, I said, okay, so this is it. And I said, Maybe it is forty thousand ah. dollars. Cause it's pretty much at the time it was just a vacant lot. Um, and it was a pretty steep slope. It was probably about a forty five degree angle slope. It was you could not walk down it standing upright. You had to rappel with a rope going down the oh slope. God. It was pretty steep. And I'm like going, Yeah, I said, This might just be I said, He goes, Yeah, it's only forty eight feet wide. I'm going, Wow. I said forty-eight feet of frontage on the street, and I said, "Look at that! You got a hillside to build." And I was like, "Huh?" But the thing was, my father was a builder, and he oh, wow. had built houses on on up slopes where literally you had a steeper slope than that. And he excavated in the top half, and he built the staircase going up. Wow! Literally, literally thirty feet up, up, up to the house where the where the duplex was. And I was like, "Going, if you can build that." I'm sure you could build on this lot here. That's yeah. not. This is a piece of cake. <laughs> so he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna buy this lot and we're gonna build." And I'm saying, "Oh, that's been my dream since I was a kid. Since I've been what? Since I was able to crawl, I was literally going with him to different job sites where he was building houses and stuff. And he had built my sister's house and my sister-in-law's and brother house some 20 years earlier. Wow. and it was like oh, 15. I was 95. So it was like 15 years earlier, and I was like, when I want to build my house because it was like I knew the house that I grew up in was the house that my dad had built and I was born into it. Literally, they moved, they, they rushed me from the hospital and came right into the, that brand new house that he had built. And I said, he kept on telling me about, oh, this is how you do this and wow. this is how you build this. And I say, crap, it's like if you've got the way to build your own freaking home, gee, there's so many things you can build yeah. into it and do the way you want to. So it's not like you're buying somebody else's house and going, hmm, okay, I can live with this, yeah. I can work, I can, the words are, I can work with this, is yeah. what people say when you buy a house, you go, you look at what you've got, and you go, oh, I can work with this, I want to do this, I want to do this, but that's not it. Oh, holy hell in the handbasket.
1: Sorry, we were on a little break, guys, so um, let's go into this. Uh, so your dad purchases the the land, and yep. then you guys break ground, and there's already activity spurring during construction
0: oh yeah um we bought the lot in january of 1999 and i think it was about eight months later after we went through all the processes of getting the plan check and getting the permits and stuff we broke ground and actually started now what was interesting was when we bought the lot we actually had 13 caissons which are three foot diameter holes filled with concrete, reinforced with steel rebar in the ground that go about 30 feet into the hard rock. And on top of that was another bunch of steel uh, rebar across the land, which was also there from the previous owner. Um, we then started construction and I think it was about July of, two, of 1999 and we finished on August 30th, 2002. And during construction, well, six months before construction, I assembled the laborers, actually, where we're standing right now. And um, the uh, I assembled the... There's five guys, at ages from 17, 16, 17, to about 22 years old. And when I said, if you guys had any weird experiences here in the house, and right where we're standing right now, before the floor was actually put in with the hardwood... It was plywood, and I had the five guys lined up right here, and I'm standing there talking to them, and one guy said, See, Oh wow. he says, six months ago during summer, I was um, on the third level by myself at 6 o'clock working, and I heard voices and footsteps coming from the top Holy floor. Shit. Now, I figured it was your father and you coming back because your dad was the supervising contractor, and you were you know, the undercontractor that would check up on stuff. I said, Yeah. And he says, I came up to the top floor, and I looked. And there was no one on the top floor, and I'm saying, "Senor Paul, Senor David, ¿Dónde estás?" And he heard nothing. So he goes out in the driveway, looks up and down the driveway, empty. And he says, "It's about eighty, about eighty degrees, and it's summer." And he says, "There's no one there." And he goes, "No." He goes, "Well, I've been up here at six thirty, and the place is dead empty, because no one comes home in summer until like seven, eight o'clock here. The place is pretty vacant." He goes, "Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was empty." Wow. So he goes back downstairs, and he starts working, and five minutes later, boom, voices and footsteps from the top floor where we're at. And he says, I come running upstairs with a hammer, and I'm looking around left, right, like, where is this? Uh (laughs) Who's who's playing with me? Who's messing with me? And he says, I don't find anyone. So he goes back downstairs, and he says, that's it. I've had it. I'm going to pack my bags up and get the hell out of here. So he goes into what is now the guest room, and he's packing his bags. And he says, all of a sudden he starts hearing the sound of footsteps coming down the staircase, and they're getting louder and louder. And at the time, we had, um, it was just some 2 by 12 planks that were in the slots of what would then later on become the stairs going down. And what is now, there's this doorway when you go through. At that time, it was all open. So it was just this 11 foot high by 8 foot wide opening that went down the staircase 30 feet and right into that room. And it's all plywood and the drywall's up, but there's no air conditioner in. it. There's no electricity. And the windows are in, so he's sitting there, and he says, they're getting louder and louder. So I get behind the, the door in that guest bedroom 10 feet away from the entrance, and they just got so loud, they got to the landing, and they stopped. So I run out the door, and I run towards the, the open area where the landing is, and he goes, I look and there's no one there, and he goes. I'm positive. I'm hearing the sound of leather-soled shoes hitting the planks coming down. It's not like t- tennis shoes, he says. You can hear the the connection of each footstep coming down the staircase, going boom, 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 boom. No,
1: boom, no. Boom.
0: And he <laughs> wow. says, no, no, no. when it's there, he's expecting somebody to be there. He says, there's no one there, and he oh. says, and then it happens. He said. This two inch ice cold breeze comes whizzing across the nape of his neck, above his shoulder blades and below his hairline, and he says it's just like ice running across the back of his neck. And he says he's got he says the, his body got kind of rigid and the hairs on his arms and his body just stood straight up and he screamed Dos míos, Dos Mios, Yummy boy, yummy boy <laughs> and he th- took off for six wow. weeks. He didn't come back for six weeks, and I said When you were gone, you told them you were taking care of your sick mother in in San Salvador. And he goes, "Uh uh-huh. I said, where were you? And he goes, I was working other jobs. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. I said, so what made you come back? And he goes, I didn't get paid for the prior three weeks. And I said, wait a second. I remember this. When you went? because you were the one that was supposed to put in the tiles into the master bathroom. And he'd done the tiles in the kitchen and in the bathroom on the top floor and in every other room except for this room, my bathroom. And I said, I remember getting so frustrated and tired and bored of waiting for you to get back that I took it upon myself to put the tiles in the master bathroom. And I grievously believe that I've watched this guy put the tiles in he takes the you know the spackle. he puts it on the, the he puts the grout on the tool, he slaps it on to the uh, to the tile he slaps, slaps on, he slaps it in and that's it and he puts a couple of spacers in and voila, you're done. and then he puts the grout on top. I am going to tell you <laughs> don't you ever think no. lowly of somebody's job until you try it yourself and realize, Hell, they've been doing this for 20 years, and they got the expertise and yeah. I'm saying know-how to do this right. And
1: it is an art form.
0: It really. Those
1: Lowe's commercials make it seem so simple. Oh.
0: <laughs> the DIY. Here's to yeah. D-Y-I. There up you your, go. Up your eye. Up your you know where with a DYI. <laughs> And I, like, started to realize when I, after I did the work, I looked, I said, what doesn't look right about these tiles? And I said, besides the fact that some tiles are a little closer than other tiles and some tiles are a little bit edged above the other tile, I said, yeah, what else besides the obvious? He goes, the fact that the tile pattern doesn't look right. And then he said to me, he says, you know what I do when I do the tile, because you're using natural stone with a natural pattern and veins of the marble, you have to take the tiles out and develop the pattern that you want to put out before you go and you put the tiles down. You don't grab the box and take tile one, tile two. T- it's like, no, 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 You've got to know what the pattern is laid out before you go put them on. Otherwise, you get hodgepodge lines going one direction and crossing the others. Oh, wow, yeah. And it's like, oh, shit. goes, yeah, that's why it, I, you pay me the big bucks for this stuff. And I'm, going, <laughs> and I'm cursing myself saying, well, if anybody ever doubts my story, let them walk down into my master bathroom after they've gone through the entire house and look at the tiles and say, yeah, in a $3 million house, what did you do to the goddamn master bathroom tiles? They look like crap. It's like, well, uh, the story goes like this. Nah. And it's true. I swear to God. It's, it's, <laughs> when I go down there and take a look, I'll be happy to show you firsthand. You'll go, yeah, this story must be real because... Who would do this to his home, to the master bathroom, just to make a point? No one. (laughs) It's real. Maybe the
1: ghosts. (laughs) Yeah. Now, the house is completed, and you move in. What happens?
0: Um... Well, when I first moved in, it was just like, "All right, spirits, I know you're here." I mean, it was it, it was just I it was ecstatic to get out of my two bedroom apartment after twenty <laughs> after some odd fifteen some odd years going. This is enough paying rent, you know. Oh yeah, should so be paying yeah. a mortgage. Oh yeah,
1: we're there. Me, and my husband are there. Trust me.
0: It's something to think yeah, about, kids, really, because it's, it's death. You're just paying somebody else's money. You're paying their mortgage is all you're paying. You're not paying yourself your mortgage. You're paying somebody else's, and it's, it's a bottomless pit. And I said, this is it. And I, so I walked in, and I said, uh, home. And it was like I was welcome. I could feel the spirits. I could feel the energies. It was like, oh, you're here. The first thing I remember was my Rhodesian Ridgeback Sebastian started barking at the front door. And there was no one behind the door. I was, like, opening the door and going, yeah, hello. Wow. What the fuck? And I looked up and down the driveway, not a person. I'm going, he didn't do this in my apartment. Only when someone would come to the door nearby would he bark. And that's because Rhodesian Ridgebacks are one of the few breeds that are smart enough to not bark unless there's a threat or a presence coming to the home. And he did this, and I'm like, what the hell? And it wasn't like, bark, bark. It was like,
2: Boo! Burr, oh wow!
0: Burr, like a defense of like there's yeah. somebody at the door, and then we had the door, and you'd hear a door knock, like, and I'm like, what the? F-? It's like oh, somebody's coming to visit. Say hello, and I open the doors like, no one there. No. Oh
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, a, this is a private drive, too. Like, There's not a lot of people around here walking, and there's not a lot of kids or anything, so there's no door dashers around here, for no, sure.
0: No, no. We're two-tenths of a mile from where the entrance to the street is, so if you're going to be door dashing, and at the time, there was my house, the house next door to mine, the house next door to them, and then the house next to the Sharon Tate house. So there were four houses within... I'd say about 200 feet. And then it went down the driveway about five, six hundred, seven hundred feet till you get to the next house. Wow. So it's kind of hard to do anything of door dash. What are you going to do? Fall down the hillside and then say, oh, okay, I just got down to the bottom of the hill and I just door dashed you. Was that fun?
2: Yeah.
0: You know, picking the thorns out of your side, and the rocks out of your ass, you know, it's amazing. So... No, that was, like, stuff like that. It was like, I, you couldn't explain it. Like, somebody doing a prank, I could see it in the, you know, in the flats, but up here, uh-uh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, then there was other things. It was just, like, walking around the house and, like, seeing things out of the corner of your eyes, zipping by. I'm going, all right, I just saw somebody walk by. I said, no. I was like, all right, fine, whatever. And I'm not one of those people who goes... Oh, a ghost. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared. Yeah. I'm like, cool, we've got a ghost. That's pretty trip. I'm pretty that. I love
1: that. <laughs>
0: I mean, because in reality, I hate, I mean, I don't mind. I love getting scared in movies. But to sit there and apply that rationale to real life... Is kind of like Jason and Michael Myers is yeah. are real people, and if you don't kill them, they will never die. I was like, "Oh come on, that's just bunkus." And I mean, I grew up being terrified of the dark, where my mom used to have to go talk me through fifty feet from one from the hallway to the mass, to the kitchen to say, "It's okay, David. You can go to to let me walk through the house in the darkness because I was so afraid." I went from that fracker, you know, scared, terrified little kid to somebody that lives with ghosts, can walk through the dark, has no problem with it. It's like, uh... And that all pretty much happened, changed dramatically when my mother passed away 13 years ago in 2005 (laughs) when it was, um... I said it was March 22nd. It was a quarter to seven. I got a telephone call from my dad saying, your mother just passed. And I was like, what? And she was dying of... She was battling pancreatic cancer at the time. So... You know, but her health was fine. She had just been to the cardiologist that day and she was, you know, doing fine and they were on certain meds to help. And needless to say, I drove over there and I was there within 15 minutes because they live not too far from here. And I um, remember vividly walking in the house and the house was all lit with, with candles. And I'm like, we're not a religious family. And I remember when I was driving up the street saying, wait a second. I don't see street lamps on. I don't see the houses, the lights in the houses on. It was like it was pitch black, like something had happened. And I went up there and I said, okay, what gives with all the candles? And my mom had a nurse that was there and she said, oh, the electricity went out the second your mother died. I said, what? Come to find out that there was a power outage for six hours the second that she passed in West L.A., all the electricity went out. And I was like, wow, Mom, that's, that's making an exit. <laughs> that is certainly a dramatic exit. You were a force to be reckoned with, that. and now you have left the earth, and you have left the world know that you're gone. Yeah. And it was just, like, surreal. And I'm walking around. What that, was that? I can I
1: think.
0: Oh, Tommy, you asked. <laughs> Shut up. Don't, no, don't, don't talk. <laughs> Because you're in my mic. You're in my head.
1: The cat's head. trying to make a debut. <laughs> the cat's trying to give me so a headache. So <laughs> you had an experience with a full body apparition. Oh, wow. Tell us about that, because I remember reading about that. Yeah,
0: that happened a few months before she passed. So like, let me finish the story about the passing. So I walked to the house, and there she is, frozen in her bed, like in motion, like with her mouth a little gay, like like, uh... And I said, what happened? He goes, she was at the cardiologist today, and they were testing her. She was fine. Apparently, the anti-cancer medication for the pancreas had a bad history of messing with people's hearts. And was actually what caused the heart oh. attack was that. And it wasn't the pancreatic cancer, but it was oh. like... She, I, 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 you know, I've never seen a dead body. I mean, in a, in a coffin, yes, but to see my mother in the bed that she, in, in the, in her bedroom that I'd grown up in all my life, frozen stiff, and I'm looking at that, going, "This is death." Which she had told me a million times. She says, "You know, when you die, that she used to say, when you die, that's it. There is no this or that." She wasn't wow. big into the hereafter, and I always believed there was more than just what occurs here when you die, when your spirit parts from your body. So I walked and I remember touching her and it was cold as ice and I kept on having this recollection of thinking it's that's not mom that's wow, not yeah. my mom and I kept on saying that saying no that's not her and I started to realize that the body is like a ma- it's like a mannequin when you see a mannequin that's what a dead body is is like wow, a mannequin yeah. it is it is devoid of energy it's devoid of that presence, that, that essence of life that was in her, and I kept on looking and saying, everything that I was afraid of as a kid, the wolfman, vampires, goblins, ghosts, you know, uh, zombies, whatever, all went to hell in a handbasket, including the fear of the dark, just went complete, but just, that's it, and everything that she'd said about death, and that's it, when you leave, you leave, that's, it's like, wow, the finality is really clear, and it made it so apparent that it's like, this is it. I've had my pets die. And that was different because I'd known them for maybe 10, 15, 20 years. Wow, yeah. But it's your mom. There's only like she used to say, you only got one mother and one father if you're lucky. You know, <laughs> we're, we're not talking about the, you know, the stepfathers <laughs> and stuff, but she said that and I was like, going, okay, mine, I just don't hum- humor her. And I remember just looking there and saying, This is it. I said everything that you know about the the ghosts and the demon It's all bullshit. Forget it. No matter what some religious religiosity spokesperson's going to tell you about oh this and that. That's yeah. candy coating the crap that you have to come to grips with. Your own mortality. And when you're dealing with that of who brought you that whom's, whose body you were born from and you have to look at that person dead in the location as wow. well as when I did it was just so life changing. It just just said that's it. Everything else is crap. Don't listen to the zombies. Just... And when stuff happens to you, appreciate it and recognize that it's not a plight. It's not a curse. Mm. To have an interaction with a paranormal or somebody that is dead, which I now start to refer them as, that's their spirit coming back to visit you. They're not here to hurt you. They're not here to scare you. They're not here to go, bullshit. They're not wearing a ball and chain. They're (laughs) real. They're there to say, I'm here to warn you. I'm here to give you some information. I'm here to check up on you. I'm here because I so love you, and I, you're still on my mind, oh, and yeah. I still want to be around. To be honest with you, I have not seen my mother, my father, any of my relatives, any of the the I was family. Ask that. I knew that's <laughs> why I just got to that. It's like I have not seen any of them, and I've got friends that have died and have commit suicide and stuff. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, it's amazing that the only apparition I've ever seen was of J. Sebring, somebody who I've never known who I've never met that I know of, um, even as a child, but it's like he came to warn me about the property next door eight years before they broke ground on that property. Wow. And that's what what I saw, the apparition. So it's kind of ironic that people say, oh, I saw this, and it's like, I have yet to see any of my relatives or friends. And I don't feel bad about that because... To me, it's not going to comfort me to see them. I know they're there and I know they care. They don't have to impar with me like saying, oh, it's okay. It's like, no, I know it's okay. Don't, I, I got it. I know you're around and it's okay. Don't waste your energy ma- manifesting unless it's really important. And I really need to be forewarned of something. So you do what you have to do. I'm not missing the interaction because yeah. the truth is, is it happens when it happened. When I saw JC bring some 13 years ago. Or fourteen years ago, it was literally it lasted ten seconds and then it's gone, and that's why I try to say when somebody has a paranormal interaction, it's it's so quick, yes. and it's abrevious. It's a, so, such a brief little interaction that the 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 ninety nine percent of the time of their life they're going to spend reliving that experience yeah. and trying to decipher it, and as we say, come to grips with it and try to understand, and then they go through different. Um, perspective views of it. Like, oh, it was hurting me. Oh, he was going to... It's like, no, he just popped in and said hello and you had a meltdown because your perception was that he's a ghost. Oh, my God, it's Casper, the friendly ghost. It's good, g- g- ghost. <laughs> and it's like, no, that spirit will not want to come back because you had such a terribly uh, adverse... Response to their presence. It's like, hey, I'm not coming back. The way that asshole reacted, I can't bother with that. I don't need to scare them. I didn't come to scare them. I came to talk to them, and they went to pieces. And oh, why the hell did I bother in the first place?
2: And like you said, spending all of that energy, like it's not worth it. If the reward is that reaction, it's not worth the energy to get here.
0: It's a negative reward, and the yeah. spirit's like, wow, the same, yeah. I'm not. I don't need yeah. to be berated and I'm trying to give you information how how resentful can a spirit feel like going God I came here to let you know something and you're having a meltdown oh get me out of the way goodbye
1: Zach (laughs) Baggins
0: read my mind on that hon you know I was about to get to that oh yeah yeah,
1: that's a good story (laughs) that's a
0: story that's a nightmare no story there God that's a fraudulent story God so
1: tell everyone why Jay appeared to you
0: well, Jay appeared to me at the time, it was um, July of 2004, so it was about eight months before my mom's passing. Oh, wow. And eight months, six six or seven months, sorry, I'm not good with numbers. But um, so he was pointing a quarter turn towards the property, at, as at, at the time I referred to it as he was pointing towards the driveway, going down the driveway. Apparently, when the construction of the house next door to me started Mm -hmm. being built, eight years after I saw Jay's apparition, it was like, oh no, he wasn't pointing towards the driveway. He was pointing towards that property being built there then. Excuse me. So that's what that was really all about. It was not about the driveway. He was specifically referring to what was going to be built down next door to me. And again, I kind of take that as a sign, saying spirits are smart enough to understand what's going to happen in the future, and we don't have that type of um, view to what's going on. But he was telling me they're going to be building this house next door and it's going to have a bad effect on your house, apparently. And it did.
1: You said something really awesome when I was here um, doing the investigation uh, a couple weeks ago. You said something in reference to, they see, uh, they from like where they're at, they don't see time, it's just space.
0: Oh yeah, the uh, famous line, ghosts don't wear watches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, people have the mythology of the paranormal so... Absolutely, oh God, misunderstood, misconstrued. Let's just say it for, for, for the umpteenth time I've said this. Everybody's got a theory about the paranormal. Remember, it's a theory. It is hard to shush up, Tom. <laughs> he agrees. Yeah. yeah, so thanks, yeah, Tommy. <laughs> 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 it's a theory, it's their yeah. idea. It's based on what they perceive and what they believe. It's mm-hmm. not factually based, it's based upon their experiences. I'm not taking anything away from anyone who has a theory. There's a million people in the field, and there's over 100,000 theories. Let's put it that way.
2: I love what you said when we, were, when we first came in. It's the people in the batter that make the cake. That's the perfect... Yes, right. Agree. We what, always are talking about that. Like It's what you bring to it's it. What it's what your in. mindset is. Like You affect it as much as they affect you. Right.
0: When people come here to the house, there's a different yeah. dynamic of what happens here. It's like I said... When you came the first time with your friends and you were here and you were experiencing the paranormal activity, I said, it won't ever be the same as that night because it depends right. who's here in the mix. And what I'm saying yes. is, is the house has a certain dynamic, but that also applies to, in general, to dealing with the paranormal. You can go on a paranormal investigation and have a great time. You can go to a paranormal investigation at the same location with different people and have not such a great time. What I'm basically getting as is, the people that involve themselves in the paranormal have different motivations. Some of them have a religious motivation. Some of them have a personal motivation of trying to connect with a friend or a relative that's passed. Um, some people are just curious to figure out what's going on and what's going to happen in the afterlife. And some people are facing down their own mortality and wanting, as one person said to me, "Because look, I'm dying and this and that." And I'm very much... He was a vet from... Uh, fought in Iraq. And he said, I am have a terminal illness and I want to see what's going to happen on the other side and I want to get familiar with it. And it's like... I've, I've heard so many different stories from so many different perspectives that always open my mind up a little bit further than what I expect and what I've anticipated. And yeah, that's that look that you're giving me right now is exactly how I felt because it's like... How would you feel if you were in their shoes and you're staring down your mortality and you know you're passing because you have an unoperable disease that was part of the chemicals that they were using in Iraq and Afghanistan? And oh. it's basically, yeah, it's one of those stories. And I I felt heartbroken and I've had people that have come here. Um, friends of mine have brought some uh, one of my friends, Brian, whose father and mother own, shh, Tommy they own the um, Starline tours about seven years ago he brought some guys that were shipping off to Afghanistan and these were 18, 19 year old kids and I said, no, no, you guys are coming in, you're coming in to go into the, the house I said, no, can you give me any money? I was like, no, 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 no um, this is just because we weren't doing a tour I just said, come on in, let's check out the house and wow I just kept on hearing he said some of these kids are not gonna come back period and I was just like thinking to myself Tommy no I wasn't thinking Tommy I was Ah. thinking I was thinking to myself everybody's got a different path in their lives and what they're gonna do and what their destiny is and you don't know Hmm. you just don't know and it goes the same with the paranormal and I've had many paranormal groups here hold on one second Tommy shush (laughs) I've had very many paranormal groups visit the house and come through and investigate, as well as the TV shows, um, Ghost Hunters, My Ghost Story, Paranormal Witness, Haunted History, Ghost Adventures, and um, we've also had people like Rick McCallum from the Hollywood Ghost Hunters with Ari Mihailohoff and uh, Uh, Kane Hoder here. They were here a (laughs) couple times and... The funniest thing is, I said to Rick, I said, so, you know, when is Kane and R.A. coming back? He goes, well, you know, I'm the only one that really had a lot of activity happen around me directly when I was here with the boys. And they really had very little, you know, interaction with the spirits. And it's like, well, they should come back again and maybe something more will happen with them. But it's like everybody has their own opinion, a theory and some people get so wound up hmm. and so steadfast and this is my theory and no no you're stealing my theory and i listen to these people and i listen to the banter in the chat rooms and the different you know battles between different paranormal investigators and it, 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 I, i'm sorry i stutter when i say this but it's kind of upsetting to me because yeah I live in one of the most active houses in paranormal in the paranormal field. It is not as an insane asylum. It is not a castle where people were tortured. It's not a hotel. Wow. It's just a house that my dad and I built. And it gives affords me an opportunity to see a lot of the different paranormal groups and different individuals. And people said what paranormal group do you belong to and I say I don't. <laughs> I don't want to belong to any paranormal group. I really it, it to me, I'm I live on the inside of the bubble, not wanting to be on the outside, being part of the groups that are circling around, yes. and the you know the orbit of my house. I just in other locations. To me, it's like I got turned off when I started hearing people bitching and moaning about theories saying what are you really after ego or are you after information and understanding and sharing that knowledge that you're gaining and evidence with others because all i hear is bitch 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 ego 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 blah 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 and it's like you know something i really don't care and i've removed myself from it but so far as having to deal with some of the quote-unquote paranormal celebrities that's another nightmare story that's really (laughs) a conundrum that i can't really escape um you know, when, when, when the boys came from Ghost Hunters 13 years ago, they um, had a hell of a time. Jason Hawes really got kind of like spooked out by the place. Grant kept saying, you know, he he was like skeptical, but he kept on having stuff happen. And later on, I saw on an interview with them at some Dragon Con convention where they were talking about the house, and Grant said, oh yeah, well, we thought the homeowner it was a little bit kooky. And I'm going, Really? is that what you came up with grant you really got some nerve there saying that i was it's called
1: flair and pizzazz (laughs)
0: yeah well to me it was like you know (laughs) let's not go there but you know i was really like kind of offended thinking you had the experience in the house yet you found the time to go make out saying something derogatory about me and i started to realize that this was going to start to become more and more apparent that if somebody came to the house that had the experience and they couldn't explain it necessarily, that they might be in a position to throw out a disgruntled remark about me personally. Wow. At which I was like going, you know something, this is a catty bunch of BS. Yeah. You came to my house, you investigated, I brought you in, I showed you around. I'm just telling you what Dr. Taff had said to me 14 years ago, or, you know, a few years earlier at the time, and I'm getting reamed about this and being, I said, you know something? <laughs> I'm gonna decide how and when and who and what comes to yeah. the house to do the shows, and through the years, other shows have wanted to come out here, um, but a lot of the shows said to me, "Goes, well, we our premise is that we go into a location and we solve problems with people that can't oh, deal boy. with the paranormal," and I would constantly say to these people, um, "Well, I don't fit the the um, the 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 the, low, the the idea of what you're looking for." And he goes, "Why is that?" He goes. Because I don't have problems with the paranormal. <laughs> I said, you can't come here and solve a problem that doesn't exist. And they yeah. goes, yeah, you're right. We really can't because our objective is including the dead files. I called them five years ago and they were like, well, we can't because, you know, we go in to solve a problem to help people out. He goes, you can't help me out. I'm fine. Right. I'm down with it. I have no problem with it. I'm not drama queen going, oh, 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 shit, that happened. Yeah. It's happening. I go, Okay just try not to turn the faucets on when we're in the middle of a drought is my response when the faucets turn (laughs) on. And people go, what? Yeah, I was cleaning my shoes at 12.30 and apparently I was sitting on the edge of the the, uh, bathtub and I hear the water start running. I look up and there I see the hot and cold water running. Uh, That's the um, the cat box, that's Uh all. So I was like, okay. I said, that is so cool. I know that you did that for Adam several years ago. And it's the first time you've done it for me. I said, well, I appreciate it. I said, better late than never because I was a little offended saying you did it for my friend up here it. in this bathroom, but you didn't do it for me and it took you this long. I was like, well, I said, but just remember, I said, we're going through a ca- through a drought here in California, so I am asking you politely to please abstain from any more of the water gags. <laughs> we got to stop doing that. Don't turn the faucet on outside or anything like
1: that. Just or write st- us a check.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Seriously. that's that's another story we'll get to after Baggins' um, story. So I'm very... I, easy going with it. It's not offending me. I don't interpret this as a threat. They turn the hot water faucet on and it's a threat. They're going to wait until the thing floods the freaking bathroom and finally maybe it'll flood an inch of the water and you're going to have problems with the, with the cleanup. And I'm thinking, what, they're going to try to drown me in that? They didn't grab <laughs> me by the yeah. head and then push my face into the bowl of the water and try to say, here, here, we're going to drown. None of that stuff happened. So I'm like going, spirits are here. All right, that's cool. I can deal with it. It doesn't bother me. They want to share my space, fine. And what was interesting was is after the show Ghost Hunters had aired in 2006, I got an email from Lisa Williams, the famous English psychic. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so Lisa Williams, I want to come up and see your house. I saw you on Ghost Hunters. And it's like... I, so I wrote her back and said, yes, you can come up here by yourself without your television crew because she had a TV show. And I was told that she was down at the bottom of the driveway a couple months earlier shooting some promo footage at the bottom of the driveway. And I, my neighbor told me, I said, she has no business being on our driveway shooting anything since it's a private driveway. You should tell her. She goes, well, it's too late. She already left. And it's like, well, next time boot her out because there's no way she should be doing that. So I said, if you want to come over. She goes, fine. So she came with her manager, and she walked in the house, and she came in, and she stood right about about a foot and a half from the landing, going into the living room. And she looked to the right, and -hmm. she looked in my bar, and she says, oh, do you know you have a big party in your bar? And I'm going squinting and looking in the area, going, what
2: the fuck? Uh
0: -huh. Huh? I can't see. What? And I looked at her, and she's all of five foot Three And I said, Lisa, I can't see a damn thing. What are you talking about? And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. She goes, there's Jay Sebring. And she's pointing with her right index finger and she's pointing into the bar. She goes, like, there's Jay Sebring, there's Sharon Tate, there's Rudolph Valentino, whose house is across the canyon from here. And she goes, I see a couple of other people who I don't recognize. And I'm going... I don't see anybody. I can't recognize a soul because I don't see anything of what you're seeing. And she goes, oh yeah, by the way, I see some Native Americans there. And that just, when she said the Native Americans, I like turned and looked at her like, (laughs) what the hell are you talking about, Native Americans? In Beverly frickin' Hills, are you kidding? I'm thinking to myself, all these things, I'm going, okay, this has gone off the freaking deep end. So she walks through the house. She says, oh yeah, she says to me, she goes, oh... They want me to tell you something, that they really appreciate you. And I'm like, I looked, I was like, appreciate one? She goes, oh, they appreciate you letting them stay here and hang out. And I took a double take and I said, well, Lisa, I said, I know only how Sharon Tate and the other four people died at the end of the street some 40 years earlier. I said, because I did research at the LAPD because I was yeah. writing a book and I wanted to see the pictures of if there was anything left on this property when the house was, con- with, during the murders, if there was like a bloody rag or some you, you, knife or anything. So I got a chance to look at the pictures and I was mortified by the images of the victims on the slab at the morgue and um the crime scene photographs and just the graphicity and forget wow. what you guys have seen that the, the photographs that have yeah. been absconded from yeah, the they're LA.
1: online there's something i'm there's, so surprised that they're online
0: there's only that's 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 a tiny drop oh, of because wow. what I said, I said how come i saw these pictures and and the policeman said well you know some of the police officers that worked on the original case had taken some of the photographs and I said, so what happens? He goes, we basically took the files of everything that was left, and we locked them up in the heart and bowels of Parker Center downtown. And it's like when I went in there, they took me into the room, into the room, into another room, deep in the heart. And here in this one room was a standing, old-fashioned, 19th century safe. A freestanding safe like a bank safe wow. that was like five feet tall by four feet by four feet and it was like olive drab green with gold yeah. filigree you know stenciling and lettering and I'm like going holy crap and it had these two I'll never forget the two big brass dials and the big brass handle yeah. and I'm like I don't believe this and he they, they, this is where and they open the thing they unlock the safe they open the combination pop it open they bring out this <coughs> box because then right, i and I'm like then it says Tate and I'm looking through all these pictures and I'm like and I remember going through and I saw this picture and I said oh my god he goes I said who's that and I flipped it over and it says Jay Sebring natural hairstyle and it was the apparition of the guy I had saw six months earlier because Sebring had straight hair in all the photographs His hair. natural hair was kinky, coarse, and he had created a natural hair relaxant to give men with kinky hair straight hair, wow. and he used it on himself, and it's why his picture had normally had straight hair. His real hair was kinky, and I see this DC picture.
1: had some good hair, <laughs> and he did some good hair. He
0: had the Hair Institute, the yeah. Sebring Hair Institute, so um, I... So...
1: What are who are so the entities that are here that you're in communication with? Is are, who are they?
0: Well, we know that Rudolph Valentino's been recorded here, we know that wow. we've that got sick. a little girl that's named Gwendolyn that that pops in. Um, and I say pop in because nobody lives here, and right. I mean by that it's not the word live that I mean that I'm using. It's I'm club saying club
1: open, yeah, it's, it's
0: basically it's club dead. They come in, they come Short. out, they what come in, say? they come out. <laughs> They visit, they re-energize, and then they go on their way. And there's no like um, uh, tracking of how many spirits are in the house at one time. It's just come and go as they please. I have no idea who. I know what who I've seen and who others have seen and reported to me. But again, that was literally at the moment when they saw them, they were here. Whether or not they're here now... Is uh, anyone's guess. I can't see, you know, ghosts with my own eyes, and I don't get a. Here's the report of the guest list that we have, <laughs> Mr. Oman. We have four hundred and fourteen thousand spirits right now, and we're expecting another six thousand. But we'll be losing, we'll be losing about another fifty nine hundred ninety nine that are going on their way because their time is up, and they're. Go- it's like no, there's no uh-huh. check-in and check-out time. There's none of that. Did
1: RSVP? <laughs> well, even
0: if they did, I wouldn't know if they RSVP'd and left. Um, But that's the whole thing about the house. It's like, I don't know, because as I've figured and seen through the years, people come in the house and the spirits around each and every one of us, and people hate me saying that, but I'm going to lay it out there. I believe that everybody's got spirits or guardian angels around them, whether you like it or not. It's kind of like... It's um, true.
1: The girl that was here in the group, she had the spirit of her mom with her. And that was who she was in communication with during the seance.
0: Right, that's what I'm trying to say. Oh, I, yeah. I believe that people come in with spirits around them. And I don't mean attachments like an, a... No, they just have that
1: energy protecting
0: them. Right, not like a lamprey that's, that's uh, uh, using, yeah. you know, sucking your life energy out of you and they're just moving around from person to person. I don't believe in those types of um, entities or spirits. And I hate the word entity because I think it's a derogatory, insulting type of a it, it how should we say it harbors connotations of neg- a negative connotation it does. it does an entity you remember Barbara Hershey in the movie the, the entity, entity. That she was which great. I was
1: going to ask you about you mentioned they come here to recharge the house itself has energy you want to go into the energy in Dr. Barry Taft yeah
0: um First, we were just talking about before we go off to that
1: oh um, we were talking about the spirits that were here, the that, spirits that, are here of, right? who you claim people have seen or right so we so valentino
0: the native americans and that goes back to lisa williams so when lisa went downstairs to the third level she was the first person that went into the earthen wall room that dirt room that's part of the house that's undeveloped on the third level she walked in and she looked up to the corner left corner of the of the earth up there and she goes oh do you know you have a Native American on horseback whose remains are interred in the earth and I'm like here we go again she's going off on the deep end and I'm like I, I, again this is what I'm thinking at the moment remember at the moment I don't know Lisa Williams except being a psychic so I'm listening to her and going again with the Native Americans what's this Native American stuff that she keeps babbling about and that's what I'm saying at the moment and I'm looking up thinking I don't she's telling me this story, saying that he was riding his horse across what is now the horse path, what's now the driveway, was a horse path maybe 150, 200 years ago, wow. and he, she says his horse lost its footing, tumbled down the hillside, and broke its neck and the rider's neck. And she said that his remains were left on the side of the hill, nobody saw the, the body, and it was basically, through the years, was covered by, by the mudslides.
2: It was my chair. Was All right, saying, fine. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I just yeah, no. heard that sound. That's okay. <laughs> it, everything um, sounds so much worse in yeah. the microphone yeah. and in the headphones. Like, what is that? What is that? That, was, that one was definitely Just me. had to ask. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. That one was definitely me. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: So no, no. So she <laughs> says to me that he's that his body and romance are interred in this earth. And I'm like, going son of a gun. Wow, that's strange. So I said, let me do some research. So literally a couple months later, I got a um, uh, one of the Benedict Canyon Association's Month, six month flyers or six month little magazine they, they distribute and I'm for some reason I'm looking at it and I don't basically care less and <laughs> I flipped the page and I've never done this before and it was ironic because I look and it says marker of Native Americans at Chevy Chase and Benedict Canyon I'm like what and I read the article and it says a Native there's a marker at Chevy Chase and Benedict Canyon at the Beverly Hills First Women's Club which is on a granite boulder there's a brass plaque, and it says, "In 1929, when ground was first broken for the Beverly Hills First Woman's Club, the remains of three Native Americans were inter- were uncovered here from a battle between the Native the early Americans, early Californians, and the Native Americans." And I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" whoa. And I'm thinking, I say, like, "What the? What, what? Lisa Williams said? Holy crap! I'm like, oh my God! There's some truth to this." So I did some research and found out. That in 1839 or 1838, the something this whole area was owned by this uh, Spaniard. Um, well, she was an African American Spanish woman, whose husband was the um, what was he? He was the I forget. He was a, a general or something or a captain of the Spanish army, and his when he died. The, the land that he owned was like 4,500 acres. And it went from ben, from all the way up Benedict Canyon here all the way down to La Cienega and Olympic and all the way east into West Hollywood. Just this wow. huge, massive spread she owned. And it was all undeveloped and it was her ranchero. And in 1839, 1838 or 39, the Native Americans, the Tongva tribes, men went down and tried to basically raid her ranchero. And the ranchero was now is Alpine and Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. and there was a running battle between the Native Americans and her ranch hands, and it moved all the it went all the way up. To Benedict Canyon, what is now Benedict Canyon and Chevy Chase Drive. Holy shit. And that's where there was a huge walnut grove, apparently, in that area. And the three Native Americans who died there were, in, were buried right there on the spot. The others got away. And I started thinking, oh my dear God, the story of Lisa Williams is really getting some traction. So I said to myself, wait a second. Next time a psychic comes into the house and you bring him into the earth and royal room, say not a word. Yeah. I kept just like going, N-n-n-n. I said, I have, a, it's like the old thing is I, the old, there was an old game show called to tell the truth. Oh yeah. Well, I have a secret. Can you figure it out with whoops without me saying two words? So I brought in James von Prague during the Larry King live episode. He was here and, he walked in there and he says, Oh my God. I said, I feel the presence of a Native American and and I I don't feel very comfortable. And he ran out of the room. Um, Lisa, let's see, uh, wow. uh, let's see, oh God. Some, uh, Chris Fleming came in there after the Ghost Hunters show and he said the same thing. A couple of other different psychics came in. And I'm thinking, Lisa Williams doesn't talk to Chris Fleming, doesn't talk to James von Prague. They all have their own. Camps, so to speak, and they don't really talk amongst one another because, again, it's back to the paranormal Ego. egos and the paranormal wow. you know, I'm this is mine, this isn't yours, I have to protect my brand, whatever. So, there's no cross contamination. So, I keep my lips shut, and every time a psychic comes in there, I'm just watching to see what they do. And there's some that are in there and they're like, they're down with it, it's okay. And some, like, von Prague is like, the uneasiness, the unrest, was like I got to get out of here. I can't deal with it, and they ran out. Um, I've I've met other people like J- Jason Gates from the Haunted Collector, and I became friends with him. and I invited him to the house, and then I met Dana Workman from the Haunted Highway show with Jack Osborne. She's come over a couple times, and she was she said first person to say to me she said Look. I'm an actress. I got hired for this gig to be work opposite of Jack Osborne for this Haunted Highway show, and I'm really not really familiar with the paranormal, so I'm learning as I'm going along. And I'm like going, okay, well, at least she's honest. She Mm -hmm. had the honesty to say that. I've met Josh Gates of um, what was Destination Unknown now and also of that other show. He was the one that did the show Factor Faked. Mm-hmm. Where they would take an incident and they would they try to deconstruct and figure, out can we manufacture this? Can we make this happen without other means to make this to explain this evidence that we've got? And I asked him twice well, two different paracons. I told him about my house. I said you should come up to the house. He said, oh yeah yeah. I live in L.A. Never ever has he ever come here. And to uh, me, there are other people that are of the same ilk of that of that um, paranormal field, like Chip Coffee. I have friends that know Chip. I've reached out to him. I've reached out to Lloyd Arbach, the famous parapsychologist that Barry Taff was good friends with, which we'll round about, going to get back to Barry Taff. And still, I've asked Lloyd for the past 13 years to come down and visit, and he lives in San Francisco. Not one single time has any of these people, which to me spells some kind of a curious, curious question, which is, this is my analogy. If you were invited to go to New York City to the National to the Muse, no, National Museum of Art and we or Natural History Museum and we're invited to see the Hope Diamond and you're a gemologist and you have the chance to see it up close and personal without with a private viewing, wouldn't you be the first thing you'd be doing is like, I've got to see that I've got a chance to absolutely I'm gonna do it. But I apply the same rationale to these yeah. paranormal investigators that are quote unquote I'm like. psycho. Lisa Williams went out of her way to find me to come to my house because of the genuine intrinsic curiosity that is inside of her. I not only respect her for that, I applaud her for that because that's putting the the rubber to the road where it counts. Meaning, I don't know how, I'm not asking for money to come here, but if she wants to, it's open to her. And she found it out on her own and found me when I wasn't known. Others who have been... Personally invited here have not done that. I find that I don't want to say this, but disenfranchising about yes. their credibility and about their truth and their honesty and their integrity and what they're selling as a brand. Because if you're gonna say, if you're gonna walk the walk, you better talk the yeah. talk. And if I mean if you're gonna talk the talk, you should walk the walk, I mean. If it's here and you can see it, why wouldn't you want to come yeah. out here? If you live in L.A., oh, I'm busy with the shows. It's like, gee, you know, until this Destination Unknown became big, you were doing dog crap. right. And I've, I'm friends with Bill Murphy. You know, Bill oh, Murphy. Yeah. and Bill's been here a few times. He was here with David Ono of ABC News. And David was here with Bill. And David wanted me to do some talk show or some type of podcast with him, which hasn't come to fruition yet. But Bill and David were here like four months ago and the stuff was happening. And David was like going, I don't believe this is really happening. It's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is all real. Stuff reality.
1: was happening here already with us. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, to me,
0: I... I am one of those crazy birds in, this, in the universe that says, look, I've got this. I'm willing to share this. If I don't have the big investigation going on and I'm and I'm, I'm free and I've had friends just say, can I come over to visit and check it out? I so, say, yeah, come on over. I don't charge anything for that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's when we have the investigations and we have seven hours and we have the team of people here and we're doing the food and the prep and there's the psychic that's got to be paid then it's a whole mm-hmm. it's a whole production and I don't have a problem doing that I like sharing my experiences because when yeah. I was a kid I wanted to see ghosts so freaking bad oh, and go wow. to a haunted house it was like yeah. I said to my parents friends is your house haunted and my mom would say excuse me David, what the hell are you doing? I'm embarrassed. Me, okay, hear you, doing. stupid. That is
1: all cow. of us. Brat,
0: don't you do that? And it's like, and I'm like eight years all old. All of our like, listeners. <laughs> so, I mean, to have the opportunity to live in a house that's so haunted, I don't believe that you know being on top of the mountain saying, Look at all this shit I've got, and look what you don't have. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's an egregious pain in the ass because just because you've got it all and you're hoarding it, you're a prick. Yeah, you're not a person of any worth, and you know like I said to me that's not who I am so I share this with people randomly and 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 very much so and like I said it's it's a hoot and a holler um And you've been here and seen the activity and the REM pod's going off. I REM pod. I REM pod. I will have to second
1: that. I mean, when I did the the hunt here, there are things that I've seen and, and felt. My equilibrium was totally thrown off in the third floor to the next day I was telling you I had like a paranormal hangover. My equilibrium was still like thrown off the next day. It was just a lot of stuff that, I mean, I've never felt anywhere else and I can attest to it. I can, I can.
0: Let me ask you now, today's the second time you're here. Any of that residual type of...
1: No, I feel good. I feel good, and um, I will, I mean, say for the record, there's nothing bad here. I never felt threatened here. There is something here. I believe it 101%, and I you know, believe that you have a lot of great intention behind it, mm-hmm. and there's some, like we mentioned before, there's some people that come in. It's it, One of them even mentioned to me out of the group, it's what you bring in, and it's yeah. so true. It is so true, and there are some people, we were talking about this earlier, of our... Favorite person, our homegirl, that was just like, knew, she knew what, she knew the history coming in and she just made it about herself and made it kind of negative. <laughs>
0: I know who you're talking
1: yeah, about. So, um, yeah. So, well, yeah, there was a girl in the group that, I, I mean, the Emmy for best dramatic role yeah. goes to. That's all I'm going to say. But you have this unique communication with Sharon because at one point this woman, like, got very dramatic. She got very upset about something. She says she kept on seeing Sharon covered in blood, pleading for her life about the baby. And then I was like, wow, she's really having this episode. She's really having these feelings. But then she started mentioning, oh, and then, you know, she was never able to be a mom, and I was never able to be a mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I was like, okay, now it's about you. It was
0: 100% projection. And a then, lot of people do that. They, yeah, they, they project. They see their own life and they sh- but, they compare it to Sharon's. Like, well, but Sharon's not going through a cyclical no. loop of the death and reliving the the nightmare of her murders over and over again. You that is not very.
1: Happening. You're in constant communication with her. There's times where you just you do this thing, David, where you look down on your left. And then you'll start to say, oh, Sharon said this, or actually she oh, said, wow. yeah, and she was saying that about this woman. She's like, I honestly didn't say that. It's
0: one way communication. I am not, I'm the recipient to what I hear. And that's through my, uh, my I'm a clear audience. So, mm-hmm. I mean, she was talking and it was like, I heard this voice say, No. and I'm like who the hell is that it's like no it's not the way it is and I'm like oh I know who the hell it is yeah subject of the topic of conversation huh she goes oh I don't like this woman she is just and I'm like
1: oh I know so a lot
0: of people are under the misre- misunderstanding that Sharon is not reliving the murders over and over again. That yes. tragedy is past and befallen. It is not like a, an endless loop in a record that's just broken and the needle keeps skipping. For those of you who don't understand, it's not repeating over and over again is what I'm getting at. Well,
2: and I feel like people that are suggesting that are in it like you were both saying for their own it serves their narrative, it serves their need, what they need this house to provide for them. And their
0: perception of yes. what they want to
2: have happen in, in the afterlife. And yeah. it's
0: like, no, there's no such... Yeah. It, it's like, people have said to me, it goes, well, you know, why your house? And I said, because ghosts don't wear balls and chains. Yeah, And back to the statement of ghosts don't oh, wear right. watches goes back to the fact that people is like it's 3 a.m it's 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 ghosting hour it's like oh my god what are you kidding me you think ghosts have watches and they're concerned with what time of day it is that they're gonna make a manifestation no i've had paranormal occurrences morning noon and night daytime nighttime anytime it doesn't matter to them they're when they want to move something or do something or communicate they do so and that's why i famously said on joe nation's video it's like ghosts don't wear watches and people latched onto that like oh this guy's a funny man it's like no I'm just making a statement of simple fact
2: well it is kind of the ultimate narcissism on our behalf too of just like well we like the ghosts are doing this for us and it's like it seems like as someone like admittedly who's pretty skeptical it's like but why would they care like even sometimes when people like keep asking keep asking keep asking and nothing's happening and they keep asking it's like Right. The ghost doesn't owe you, mm-hmm. or the entity, or whatever you want to call it, doesn't owe you shit. Exactly. Like, why should we think that they're going to do what we want? Like, Who are we? Exactly. exactly. It's so funny to me.
1: Uh, the Baggins is a good example of this
2: <laughs> Boy, you're just hitting
0: that bad boy over the I head just, with a mallet, just, I am baby. so
1: shocked that this man barely spent three hours here and ran out of your house while me and another gentleman were here from 8 at night till 3:30 after everybody left we were here chilling with you i was hearing voices while you were talking i was hearing a woman's voice in the kitchen and i heard a man's voice in the uh, like, uh, like overlapping your voice at one point right i'm yeah. like there's two guys i hear three male voices for some reason
0: all right <laughs> we'll we'll go to talking about the book of baggins and I'm not talking about Bilbo and uh, the other ones from The Hobbit. This Although is Although I story. do love the Hobbit. So I love the if Hobbit. If you want to, to talk
2: about that, we definitely could.
0: <laughs> yeah. It'd
2: probably be
0: probably more enjoyable for me to say fair the not, least, you know, not. talking about this and rehashing this experience and nightmarish episode of my career with the paranormal. But um um about four and a half years ago, I got a call from Ghost Adventures, and they've been asking me to be on their show for a long period of time, and I said, no, I'm not going to do this, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing this, and um, the, uh, I finally acquiesced and said, okay, let's do it, and um, uh, at the time, it had been 10 years about since Barry Taff had been out here investigating the house, and Barry Taff is a doctor of parapsychology and had done over 4,500 cases and um, what the story was is that Barry had come out here and was doing research and was finding that the house had a strong electromagnetic, de- correction, DC electromagnetic field anomaly in it. And he brought out his geomagnetometers and the numbers were reading at 2,000 milligauss positive all the way to 2,000 milligauss negative. And for those that don't know, normal is between three and 500 milligauss positive. And what Barry said is, that the meters on these on the measuring devices will peak at 2,000. These could are well be well above 2,000 milligauss wow. positive or negative, in but both directions, meters, in both directions. Too. Wow. And he says it's like a giant quadrupole where you take a compass around the house and the compass will spin around in certain parts of the house and they can't find true north. Um, and Barry and I were working. He'd come here for about uh, 12 months. And Barry had some strange experiences here. Nothing to the levels of what he is now saying, where he was going to the hospital every time he came here. Oh, God. He'd been here over 20 times, and my friend Jeff had been driving Barry to and from this house, from his apartment, and Jeff said to me not too long ago, saying, you know, all that story is about about Barry going to the hospital. He said, I never took him to the hospital one single time. After we visited your house. So, if anybody questions about that, please let's talk to me and let them hear the truth. And it's like, yeah, I know, Jeff, I know. And what the story is behind Barry Taft not coming back is that Barry told me, I want to turn this house into a field research laboratory for the paranormal, for worldwide research. And I said, well, Barry, I said, there's only no one problem. I live here. Mm -hmm. This is my legacy. I am not doing that. I'm not turning my house into a giant, gosh darn, lab rat or guinea pig. No. No. I said, if you want to do things, fine. And then I said, I've been approached by the Ghost Hunter show to do their show. And Barry says, oh no, you're not going to do that. And I said, why not? He goes, well, well, tell you the truth I had a falling out with the producers a few years ago when they were starting the show and I was I was basically axed off so I don't like them and I said okay he goes furthermore I don't want to degrade the quality of of the of the activity of the house by having you do other shows that I don't have faith in. it's like well Barry you forgot one thing I own the house I live here it's my house I will do what I will do and you will have to deal with the outcome he goes well if you do that show I will not Ever be involved and associated with this house, oh and I will. I said, "Well, Barry, if that's the case, so long." And that's the truth story behind why Barry Taft does not come back to the house. Had nothing to do with oh, the uh, power of the house is making me sick. Yeah, he was affected by the house, but never to the dramatic point that he has now embellished and turned it into, where you know you read Zach Bagans book, "I Am Haunted," and he's he's going, you know, I talked to Barry Taft, famous worldwide paranormal renowned paranormal investigator. And he's been to the, you know, he he says after the first time he went to the house, it almost killed him. But then he follows up, but he's come there 20 some odd times after that incident. And I go, does somebody proofread your books, Mr. Baggins? Because to make the statement of A, it almost killed him. And then make the contradictory statement that the gentleman went back 20 some odd times afterwards defies human logic. Yeah. I don't get the idea where this guy's got a brain and the people that read his books take it seriously and don't make the equation saying, wait a second, man. You said that the first time he went there, he almost died and he went to the hospital, yet he went back 20 more times. What is he, some kind of sadomasochist? What is he, he likes to trip the light fantastic and push the button on the uh, kill switch for himself? Bull and S-H-I-T, is what I say My to ego is haunted. Yeah, yeah well, well, Zachy boy, back to the Ghost Adventures show. So, Zach came out, and um, they were here for four days. The first day, they did interviews with me. The second day, they did interviews with other people. The third day, they were shooting B-roll. The fourth day was the lockdown. Now, Zach was never here until the actual lockdown on Thursday night.
2: Wow.
0: And... Um, what's funny is is they were starting the episode, they were starting to do the investigation and the night before it came to the house they in the night before the investigation lockdown they did the b-roll and the producer said to me oh we've got this story we want us floated by you do you think it's good and, and it's for reenactment and I go tell me the story well this girl Dre Fordham is telling us that she came to the house a couple months ago and I'm saying wait a second Dre Fordham where do, where do I know the name from and it's like Oh, that's that girl that called me up like six months ago and said that she wanted to come back to the house. That she came with with a with a group of investigators some years earlier, on a private little investigation mm. that didn't you know didn't have any charge. It was like an hour, two hours. They went through and she wanted to come back and you know she basically disappeared. I didn't hear from her after that. And I'm like, so what's the story? And she says, well, she came up here a couple months ago and drove up to the. Um, to the watchman, called drove up the driveway, and um, she says she was with her mom, and she saw a uh, the apparition of Sharon Tate in a white nightgown, covered in blood, pregnant, oh, walking, God. clutching her pregnancy, walking down the driveway. and I'm like, what the fuck? And he goes, yeah, and that's what we're gonna do a reenactment of. I said, no, no. This this I said, I said, here and I say, no, this is a a not true story. B, I don't believe it. C, I think it's derogatory and defamatory and really disrespecting Sharon's memory yeah. and her spirit. And I said, I think you should be counseled not to do this. Well, we're doing it anyways, because it's great for ratings. And I'm like, Ew. okay, so they shot the they they do the setup and they're walking down the driveway, right down from my house, and I snap a bunch of pictures. In the middle sequence of of the photographs, there's one photograph with this girl, and there's a ball of white light coming out of her stomach. And I'm like, what the hell is that? All the lights are in front of her as she's walking up the driveway. There are no lights behind her, so where's this light coming from that's pouring out of her stomach? Wow. So I got this chill, and I said, oh, my God. I said, this is dangerous. I said, oh, my God. I feel like you're walking on somebody's grave. And it was like, mm. oh, God. I feel anger, and I feel people screaming and yelling, saying, how dare they? And we're going to get them and all this stuff. And I said to the producer, I said, when you guys do your lockdown, you guys are in for a ton of shit. And he goes, wait you mean? I said, you've pissed them off something fierce. Oh, wow. So they start their lockdown. It's going to go from 9, a.m., 9 p.m. to 9 to 3 a.m., and all of a sudden, I hear the guy say, no, nope, we got a problem. And I said, what's the matter? He goes, all the batteries in the, in the cameras are dead. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, no, all the backup batteries in the truck are dead as well. And I'm like, holy wow. shit. And so it begins. Yeah. So we go to the top of the stairs, and I say, <laughs> they say it's 10 o'clock. And I walked into the house. I said, David, you can leave the, leave the house now. Come on. So I go to the top of the stairs. Everybody goes, it's Spirits? I know you're here, and I know you're upset and pissed the hell off, and I know you want to rattle some bones and break some heads and bust some ass. I said, please don't do that. These people don't. I know you're pissed off. And then I walked out the house, and the priest said, what the hell was that? And I said, "Um, I just had to say that to protect your your livelihood. For your own protection, because I think you guys are in deep mess. And he goes, would you do that again on camera? And he said, do a G-rated version of it. And I said... Okay, so I walked back in, I reenacted the whole thing and I toned it down and which Zach refers to in his book that I'm, you know, I scold the spirits like a parent scolds a child and I'm like, okay, I'm doing this for your benefit and I'm getting hit over the head with this, yeah. you got nerve, so they start the lockdown at 10 o'clock and at about 11.30, Zach walks out the door And takes two steps on the pavement and falls down. And there's no cameras there. And I said, Zach, I ran up to him. Are you okay? Are you okay? And he's like mumbling, going, I don't feel good. My head's spinning. I feel, oh my God, I don't know. I don't understand. Oh God. And the priest just ran up to him and they're like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. So at one o'clock... Or in, in the, during the course of that, the uh, Jay Wozley is listening to something. And he goes, David. He goes, What's this funny sound I hear? There are footsteps at the bottom of the stairs. Why does it sound like plastic crunching? And I listened on the headphones. I'm hearing this crunch, crunch, crunch of plastic underneath the the carpet that I had put there as a vapor barrier so that if my cats get there and go pee on the carpet, it's not going to saturate into the foam. Oh, right. The foam padding. So I said, I put this whole thing of plastic there. That's what it is. He goes, well, there's no one in the house, and we have the cam, the boom mic at the bottom of the stairwell, and somebody, I said, yeah, that's somebody walking across the, the carpet. I said, that's what he goes. No, there's no one in the house. And he goes, then you've got a ghost that's making the sounds of footsteps across the carpet. So at 1 o'clock in the morning, I hear footsteps coming up from the outside. I'm outside. I hear the footsteps coming out from the inside of the house, and they leave, and I'm going, what's the matter? He goes, we're done. I said, what do you mean you're done? It's 1 in the morning. you got another three hours. Nope, we've had enough footage. We've got enough evidence. We've got to get the hell out of here. All right, goodbye. And I was like, oh, wow, that's something else. And I've been here for 16 years. or wow. At the time, 12 years or whatever. And Zach later on went off and said that, you know, David's possessed and he's the reason why the house is haunted. And I started laughing and oh my gosh. I said, I've lived here for twelve years, you've been here for three hours barely, and you know, you're talking about a professional paranormal investigator. You
1: own a haunted museum baggins
0: like <laughs> a haunted antique shop with bullshit around. I mean, let's be honest here. You wanna go find some haunted objects that are owned by people that are no longer alive for free? go visit your neighborhood antique store yeah. because you're going to get to feel and touch pieces and relics of people who are no longer alive and there's as much potential of them being haunted as anything in Zach Bagans' treasure trove of trash. Because yeah. mm-hmm. that's what I think of that. I don't think much of that. I think it's an absolute pff, pathetic joke. And, you know, I saw that he had um, some other actors that had passed away, celebrities' memorabilia. And I'm like, this has turned into an absolute big deal of nothing it's a sham
2: well i think that the fact that they were willing to say the phrase like it's better for ratings as opposed to the mindset of like we're here to look for the truth or for what we can discover what we can learn or what we can experience that says everything you need to know about them right there it's the entertainment industry that's what you're talking yes (laughs) It's, it's,
0: it's an entertainment business yeah
1: and that business is not, they don't understand paranormal. They don't
0: get it. They don't. That's why it's you haven't seen me on, on my own TV show, but I am working on a special because I've accumulated so much evidence here on the house and with so much stuff that's happened here. And my perspective is so utterly unique mm-hmm. in the field. And I don't want to do a whole series and a, sp- a bunch of shows about the paranormal. I just would like to be able to set the record straight about the paranormal activity that I personally witness and live With for the past 16 years, as well as the evidence that I've recorded and the other people and their stories that have been recorded here, because to me, that's more interesting than the drama of, did you hear that? Oh my, let's get the reaction shot of my face going crazy because I feel there's something happening where there's nothing happening. Mm. So, in a nutshell, that's my (laughs) take on it.
1: So, we're gonna take this to a close, David. We're running out of time. Real quickly, where can, if people are traveling to LA, they want to tour your house, where can they go? Uh,
0: that's a good question because I really don't have any planned events coming up for the next six, the next three months at least. Or where I'm, can
1: they check in?
0: Well, if you want to check in, you can go to theomanhouse.com. That's the, and that's O M A N, house.com. They can also go to house at the end of the drive.com, all spelled out. That's house at the end of the drive.com mm-hmm. you can also check out my youtube channel which is youtube.com forward slash david oman o-m-a-n and please subscribe because with three quarters of a million subscribers is zach baggins youtube channel i'm <laughs> jealous ah.
1: we sat in your room not too long ago watching these videos and we had while watching the videos, we had paranormal activity going on too with the figurines.
0: Oh yeah, we were watching videos of the figurines getting knocked over and live right Brilliant. next to us, four feet away from where we're sitting. You're the like, figurines
1: you want Here it is.
0: <laughs> you're, you're watching videos <laughs> of us knock figurines we over? You want it. Forget that. Now we'll, you've got it. <laughs> we'll do it live for you right in front right, of your right face front and front we're video. like, hey, yeah. that knocked over? Yeah, the figurine got knocked over. It's like, wow, they're really active tonight. <laughs>
1: Here's a big question. This is for Bryce. Mm. Bryce, what do you feel in this house? I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, well, they're very surprised that you put on your big girl pants. Well, that's actually what I was
2: <laughs> going to say. My big girl pants, yes. Um, that's what I was going to say in regards to like hearing the crew leave so early is that I am very skittish, Like all, especially when we were in the theater room or the bar or whatever. Um, the the motion of the dropping did like jolt me every yeah, time, me but not just because... like. I was paying attention to the screen and like every time I would ask like are they going to scream because it was like loud I don't oh, yeah. like jump scares. So I am a very skittish person just by nature, but like you were saying, I don't I don't think anything here is like trying to get me and that's the difference. It's like when I see movies like uh. you were saying, that manifestation in the film is malicious. Like they're they're telling a story Like, Michael, Jason, like, all those things. Exactly. It's drama. This was just, like, almost, like, precocious. Like, like you were saying, we're watching the film, and they're like, no, 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 the film's not what you need to be watching. Like, watch it in real time. And I love, like, that sort of sense of humor (laughs) about the whole thing. That I can, like, really relate to, and I don't find it, like, scary. No, I
0: don't think... It made me, like, uh, laugh.
2: I was just like, oh, like, I get a ghost who's like, you think that's, like... Interesting, like you're watching a film. I will do it for you right now. Like, oh, cool, thanks. Uh, I'll I stop did. watching the film, yeah. dad. Yeah, no, I didn't. I think I didn't you two it. are much more sensitive. I didn't necessarily like you, especially David. Like, yeah. you really obviously have been so exposed, and you feel it. Like you were both saying, like in your temple. I don't necessarily know if I'm in tune enough with my body. I'm always just kind of like, I don't know. This is what it is. But like the physical things that were happening. Especially here in the theater, were really but, amazing. Yeah. yeah, they
0: were. The figurines on the, the aquarium getting knocked over. Yeah, that was. I dope. I mentioned. I said, they're knocking over four times in one hour. Less than that's not normal. They yeah. really like you because it wasn't just the same figurine. Three different figurines yes. got knocked over, and I was going. That was just so strange. Wow! I just heard the phone. The thing just yeah, went dead. Mine wow. Too. I agree. That's the spirits. That was the spirit interfered with your electronics. It just that? went dead.
2: Our, my, our headphones, my headphones just like both clicked out. Oh my flipped God. Out. That was weird. I heard yeah, that weird. was the spirit oh, saying here.
0: <laughs> I hope Domino's okay. Crap.
1: I hit the like answer. Are you okay? Domino?
0: wake up. Wake up. like, no, she died. Oh, shit. No.
1: Um, before we leave, does Sharon have anything she would like to say to our listeners or the podcast right now
0: thank you is what I, I i i don't hear that but i assume that's what she'd like to say is Aww. thank you only because the amount of activity and we have to go bait, take a look before you guys wrap up of course to see if yeah. the figurines got yeah. knocked over all i'm going all right they were trying to say hello yeah. again they because were we didn't <laughs> hear them, and we would have heard those figurines knocked over this time especially this Aww. mic so if we didn't and they are knocked over that's impressive yeah,
1: yeah. Well, guys, that is our episode at the David Omen House. Thank you so much, David. Thank, Thank you, so you much. to the spirits and to Sharon Tate, of course, to everyone who may or may not be in this room right now. <laughs> Checking in, please. Checking in. Um, and if you like to learn more information, of course, go to the TheOmenHouse.com. The tours about your um, ghost investigation was through tri- Twitter. Did you share your Twitter? I no,
0: Twitter is the Omen House. No, Twitter is the underscore Omen. Yes. One. And then on Instagram it's the Omen House. That's
1: how I found out about the event. So if you guys like keep on checking in, you might catch an event or two in the future, of course. Well, thank you so much, David. Thank you so much. I know. Thank you both
0: for having me on. It's been a pleasure and it's a fun awesome. night to yeah. say the least. I wanna
1: come back. I'm gonna come back in November. I don't know about Bryce, but I'll definitely be back. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. If you love Hollyweird Paranormal, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. It really helps us out a lot, and it helps us become a little more visible. Can't get enough of Hollyweird Paranormal? Then stalk us on Instagram and Facebook at Hollyweird Paranormal and Twitter at HWP Podcast. Have a story that you're dying to share, no pun intended? Then email us at hollyweirdparanormal at gmail.com. Want to catch up with our past episodes? Then hit us up on Blueberry, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, CastBox, Player FM, and Spotify. We also wanted to take the time to thank David Oman, who was the best ghost host with the most and for allowing Harley Weird Paranormal to come over and sit down with him to record an episode. And we also wanted to mention that there was some activity going on in the background, and we apologize. We were experiencing not only paranormal activity, but paranormal... PUP and Captivity. So David Omen has some pets that were adorable and they wanted to make their debut on the podcast. So if you heard any little pitter patter, some meows or some scratches or little steps, that was them. Wanna learn more about David Omen's house? Then travel to the Omenhouse.com for future tour dates and more info. Want to learn more about David Omen's movie documentary, The House at the End of the Drive? Then travel over to the house at the end of the Alright, guys, till next time stay holly weird